Hello. Editing Kyoto here. Just letting everyone know that my audio in particular in this episode is going to sound like absolute garbage, because I didn't realize that I was recording so close to the mic. So, while it won't make your ears bleed, thanks to the power of editing, uh, it's gonna sound really, really bad. So... Uh, I have learned from my mistakes, and hopefully this does not happen for the next episode, because we recorded for three hours <laughs> for this episode, so I don't want to have to go back and redo all of that just because I was stupid one time, just so you know what the hell is going on. Okay, uh, on to the episode. I was, like, thinking about Chikai and Toy, like, growing up. I don't imagine that they were, like, that well off. Like, they weren't, like, super poor, but they were, like, kind of poor. Mm -hmm. Like, the situation that I was in. So I just want to imagine them doing, like, the dumb shit that me and my siblings would do when we were kids. Like, riding around in garbage cans down the street. <laughs> that was a thing we did. And then my sister got a year-long pinworm infection. <laughs> oh, God. So just imagine that with Chikai. Yeah, he deserves that. Anyway. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> we are the Coochie Cast, presented by Cat and Faye. Episode 3. Anyway, here's episode 4. Yeah, we're going to be talking about episode 4 mostly in this episode. <laughs> We're not skipping over three, but it'll come. It'll come. It's not Kooji enough. No, it'll be, it's a little Kooji, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that we usually have, like, a bit before the intro plays out, but, like, can't really think of anything for this episode. This episode is not funny. <laughs> Maybe that's why we should start with episode three. Like, look at Enta. <laughs> look at Enta being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Put the recorder image in, <laughs> and then and then that image that you have the edit that you have with overlay of toy closing his eyes. If he remembers being like, <laughs> you're like brothers, huh? You can hear the clown music in his head. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Anyway, my name is Cat Cross. My pronouns are he and him. I am an artist and a translator in the fandom. Uh, you can find that stuff at my Tumblr blog, Kyotozanmai. I am Chikai Kuchi's reply guy. And where you can find me is at It's Kyoto on Twitter and also at Let's underscore Kyoto on Twitter for my live tweets. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. Did you say you're Chikai Kuchi's reply guy? Did you mention that part? Yes. Oh, okay. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I tuned it out. <laughs> I think that's what I do. Sorry, I was dissociating. <laughs> as soon as Kat says Chikai Kuchi anything, I stop listening. Anyway, hi, I'm Faye. <laughs> uh, my pronouns are she, her. I do writing and art sometimes for the fandom. I am currently pursuing a degree in Kooji studies. Uh, you can find me at Toy Money on Twitter and Toy Kooji on AO3. But uh, content warnings, as I have described in the previous episodes, 
You just don't look at me. You are redacted. <laughs> I think we probably should have had me, like, just be totally redacted and have, like, a voice changer and everything. Like, I'm anonymous. <laughs> that would be too much effort. Okay. In this episode, we're talking about episode four. <laughs> we are not ready for it. So we do a pre-recording for every episode, and the pre-recording for this episode was an hour and a half of us just going through the slides and figuring out what we're going to say. <laughs> this is going to go well. I like how our last episode was like 20 minutes. I wonder how long, like how, even after editing, how long this is going to be. It's going to be a month long. So the actual episode starts off with a memory of toys uh, where you see... You hear gunshots, you see Chikai with a gun, and he's coming toward Toy, saying that... Only bad guys survive in this world. So that's kind of what you're left with, and sort of framing how you see Chikai through this episode. Yeah, you don't really get much info beyond that. Though in the novel, it clarifies that this is a recurring dream for Toy that he sees every night. Oh. Hold on, let me get the exact quote. Oh my god. It says, the expression on his older brother's face was seared into Toy's mind. Unforgettable. Why does it, why, why is it like this? Oh, God. So the theme of this episode is on the surface Soba. <laughs> and this is Soba Q in this image. Um, and that's where the Soba shop that Toy's family ran and currently runs. Um, and it's also where Toy lives. And this whole episode is themed around Soba because it's a pun, because that's what Ikuni does. It's another distance pun. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Kat, you want to go into the Japanese stuff? Yeah, so uh, the title of the episode is uh, Tsunagari Taikero Soba ni Inai, which Soba ni Inai, it technically means you aren't by my side, but the official translation for it is I want to connect, but you're so far away. Aww. It's so sad. There's also Soba ni Itai, which means I want to be by your side, which Aww. also heartbreaking. But sort of an unrelated pun is Sobakasu, which translates to freckles. Which toy has? Uh, everything about him is soba puns. Like we'll get we'll get into that a little bit later, but you know. But yeah, so the the theme of this episode is continuing the distance puns with soba and the wanting to be by Chikai's side, and the way he does that <laughs> is through uh, the Tokarev. Yeah, so in the second episode, we glossed over this. <laughs> we glossed over a lot of stuff because it wasn't particularly relevant to us until now. <laughs> but in the second episode, it is revealed that Toy is in possession of a gun. Specifically, a Tokarev TT-13, I think it is? I don't know, guns. And it's revealed by Enta opening what he thinks is his box and then seeing a gun. <laughs> and he's like, what? In darnation? Oh, poor Enta. And then he's just in possession of a gun, which is very illegal in Japan. I think just as, if not more, illegal than weed. But then, you know, you wonder why, why is Toy keeping this gun around? Why does he have a gun? What's he doing? I mean, clearly he's a crime boy, but there's more to this than meets the eye. Yeah, and I think the one of the scenes that I think represents what their relationship is between Toy and Chikai is when it comes to they're, they're on a phone call with each other. Um... Toy is holding the gun 
while he's talking to Chikai, he's just like playing with it. And Chikai is uh, drowning someone in a bathtub while on the phone with Toy. <laughs> um, but specifically, there's a shot of the lollipop. Um, it's not in his mouth. It's like away in a soap dish being kept away from the crime stuff. Um, and so I think it, it seems like both of these are symbols of their relationship. Chikai trying to keep Toy away um, from this sort of life and toy like actively keeping a hold of like the ultimate representation of his crimes the novel it describes the gun as the embodiment of a curse and how it keeps toy grounded with the weight of all the sins he'll never be forgiven for and all i could say to that is <laughs> kid could you lighten up a little he's 13 He's 13 and he needs to make his live journal post super dramatic. <laughs> oh, poor kid. Uh, it's it's always so depressing when you point out Toy's age. I know, that's the worst part. He's just a kid. But before we see this scene, like after the gun is revealed in episode two, this gun being revealed to Kazuki and Enta, it oddly like opens up Toy more to the other two. Like, he's being threatening and, like, pointing it at them and stuff. Like, he points it at Enta just to get him to shut up. And then he points it at Kazuki because he wants what he has. But then he says to Kazuki, It looks like we aren't so different after all. We'll do anything to get what we want, even if it gets our hands dirty. And he's able to, like, make that connection with Kazuki. And, like, Kazuki is, like, very plainly able to see that. Yeah, this is, like, after these things, there's, like, secrets in their boxes have been revealed. They can start understanding each other a little bit better yeah like and this is right after kazuki's secret is revealed that he stole someone's cat and turned it into a stray just to make his brother happy like what the fuck and toy's like oh yeah that makes sense and then uh we have the call scene that i was talking about before uh where we actually see toy's room and this is in sobaku and there are a lot of unpacked boxes in his room damn bitch you live like this <laughs> he just has boxes everywhere and they're all unpacked and like it's like he doesn't even plan to unpack them because he's just so freaking eager for chikai to take him with him yeah he's like ready to go and he doesn't even care about taking his stuff with him but then chikai starts asking toy like how's your new school have you made some friends like how's the relatives and stuff like that and then toy is like i don't need friends we're going to blow this place eventually anyway and then Chikai's like, aw, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, Chikai's just so casual about this conversation while Toy is like actively trying to get Chikai to come, like, take him away. And <laughs> he's so serious, and Chikai is just totally dismissing him. Keep in mind that Chikai is literally murdering someone as he's having this <laughs> casual conversation with his brother over the phone. Like, he's drowning a dude in a bathtub, and you see, like, the, the dude stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking a nap. <laughs> it's fine. This is all fine. Also, I love how the novel points out that Toy can clearly hear what Shikai's doing, and he's like, I'm just not gonna question this, I know what's going on. Yeah, so this must happen fairly regularly, whenever they call. So Shikai asks about the relatives, and then Toy's like, who cares about them? And then Shikai... He immediately knows, like, oh, they're talking shit about you because of me? I'm sorry about that. And then Toy, oh god, he says, I don't care what they say about me, but you're the one who saved the shop, but they still 
ah! And then, and then Chikai cuts him off and says, as long as our little secret stays between us, it's fine. So Toy, he claims he doesn't care when his relatives talk smack about him, but he gets really, really offended when they should talk Chikai. Through that phone call, you also get the impression that Chikai feels the same way about Toy. Yeah, that he doesn't care what their relatives are saying about him, but he doesn't want them to say bad things about Toy, especially to Toy's face. <laughs> but I think that points out what is so interesting about this conversation is that it feels like they're having two different conversations. Like Chikai is talking about normal things and Toy is trying to, you know, talk about leaving. And they're both, they're, they both care about completely different things and they're just talking over each other and not, they're not communicating with each other, which is very sad. Yeah, uh, Chikai, like, right after that, he mentions, oh, hey, good news, I might be able to stop by. And then Toy, like, immediately shoots up. And he's like, yeah. really? So that means I can go with you? And then Chikai's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, he says it like that. Yeah, he says it like that. He's so, like, casual and dismissive about it. But Toy is just so... Oh god, he just wants to go with him so bad. And like his eyes shine a little bit when he's talking about it. Like he, he's so sad, he wants to be with his brother. And like Chikai promised him that once everything was settled, they would live together. Though knowing Chikai, who can say like if anything could be settled with that man? And then their call gets interrupted by Toy's aunt. <laughs> and it's really, it's such an interesting scene because you get this close-up of her knocking on the door and then it toy like whips around and it feels like he's been caught doing something. And so like you're meant to see that this isn't quite right to the audience to toy. It's like normal, but he still thinks he's doing something wrong. Yeah. Which is even more like compounded by as he's walking out the door, his aunt comments that he's been out late at night and that she's worried about him. But the uncle retorts with he wouldn't give a shit about anything we say because he still won't cut ties with that murdering bastard. So it doesn't even clarify that he, Chikai is his brother. They're just like leaving it vague. It's interesting. Like they're, they've, because they've, they've disowned him. So he's not part of their family to them. Yeah. And to Toy's barely part of their family. Yeah. Like they want, I think his aunt seems to like want him to be. I mean, she calls him Toy-chan and everything. <laughs> Toy-chan. But he doesn't want to be a part of them because they, they've disowned Chikai and therefore they're not family to him. And so the reason Toy gets called down is because Enta has visited him. And he's like, don't get the wrong idea. Like, I only told her I was your friend so you'd come down here. And it's like, yeah, okay, bitch. I mean, completely justified because, like, a couple episodes ago, he was pointing a gun at him. He's cute. That's good. He's just, you know, casually hanging out with him anyway. Enzo's kind of, like, a badass when it comes to, like, interacting with Toy. Like, he knows that Toy is, like, a super dangerous dude, but he's still here to confront him yeah i don't think enta is like enta is actually really brave like stupidly brave very reckless brave so enta's kicking around the soccer ball and he's like i didn't know your family owned this shop like we go here every new year's your family makes really good soba and and toy has the very lukewarm response of thanks i guess but then enta reveals why he's actually there and it's because he wants so another thing we glossed over from the previous episode is the Dishes of Hope. We mentioned them before, but in episode two, it's revealed that they need five to make a wish. Yeah, Kepi gave them 
a golden dish in episode one that allowed Enta to wish for his lifetime supply of cucumber rolls. And then after that, they just get silver dishes, which have to be combined into five uh, to make a golden dish. Which is an absolute scam. <laughs> it is entirely a scam. And Ikuni acknowledges it is a scam. Yeah, he, he said, like, the rate at which silver dishes and golden dishes is random, but also it's chosen by me. <laughs> Asshole. So Kazuki and Toy are kind of in a little competition right now to see who can get the the wishing dishes first. Yeah, and so Enta is coming to him to ask him to, like, let Kazuki have the dishes um, because Enta's wish is for Kazuki's wish to happen essentially, Ento wants to do this for Kazuki. And so then you get Toy um, asking this this whole line in this scene. Um, he's asking him, so you're seriously still siding with him even after he's used and neglected you? And I think Kat has some notes about that. So this particular translation, it was, it was done by yours truly because for some reason all of the subbing sites weren't working for me at the time when the first episode anniversary was happening, but I wanted to do the rewatch live tweet so badly. So I took the raw episodes, did all my screen caps for them, and then did the subtitles by myself with the novel as a guide. <laughs> it was so dumb, but but anyway, when I got to this line... The official subs, they usually, like, translate it as, like, even after he's, like, used and hurt you. But I decided to go with neglected because I feel like it fit the situation better with what Kazuki had been doing with Enta. Like, in the last episode, it was revealed to everybody that Enta has a crush on Kazuki. But Kazuki just straight up ignores it. Because he'd be on that damn phone. But yeah, when I translated this, I expressed some doubt that it was, like, super accurate. And so, like, I put that in the tweet. But then I got a reply from a Japanese mutual who clarified that neglected is actually closer to the original. Because the term that Toy uses in this scene is furimawasareru, which means, like, he's being thrown around or led on by Kazuki's whims, like a certain guy promising his kid brother to come home soon and then always cancels at the last minute. Uh, who would do that? I wonder. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very much, it seems like Toy is projecting a little bit here. like Just a bit! <laughs> but it's so interesting the way Toy projects is like, in this episode and then in future episodes, he's like, scolding Kazuki and Enta for their decisions which he defends from Chikai essentially or himself like Kazuki and Enta doing something stupid for each other and he's like you stupid bitches <laughs> but then he or Chikai do the same thing and he's like Sukuyani-san <laughs> and it's it's it reminds me of our conversation last time with with the cat and Toy chasing the cat around and yeah, like essentially being led on by Chikai, like just always following him and trying to get any kind of connection. Chikai, you bastard. And then you're, <laughs> you're, we're here to make it even sadder, don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Enta and Toy are having this conversation um, and Toy is, is sort of thinking about 
how he feels about one of the worldviews that Toy expresses that come from Chikai is that those who can't survive disappear. Those who disappear are forgotten and replaced with something new. While he's thinking about that, the shots pan around the city and Toy and Enta are specifically talking in this empty lot. There's a sign that says property for sale in it. Um, And I actually came across an article talking about this um, by total coincidence. It was talking about Japan's like planned obsolescence of homes where these homes are built essentially for a very short time to be used by like a family or whatever. Um, And so those homes pretty much lose their value entirely by like 20 years um, once 20 years go by. Um, And so once a family dies or uh, leaves the home, those homes are usually demolished because the only value is actually on the property itself and not the home. Um, So it seems to relate to what Chikai has been saying and what Toy um, also believes that, at least in Japan, um, it's referring to this this kind of cycle of things just getting replaced completely. So yeah, so after that, Enta says something about Kazuki saved him once, and so Enta is going to help him this time. And uh, Enta says this as ambulance sirens blare in the background. <laughs> oh no, why? <laughs> This speaks to Toy, and the next scene is him like looking out over the river that Chikai left on. It it clearly reminds him of his brother, like what he wants to do for his brother, how Chikai saved him, and he wants to help him. Wow, this reminds me of me and my brother. <laughs> constantly, just constantly in Toy's head. But then, as he's thinking that, out jumps Brainworms McGee! <laughs> Absolute queen, Kazuki! Yep, and then so Kazuki is there uh, to ask him to commit crimes. He wants Toy to kidnap an idol for him. <laughs> and the reason he asked Toy is because Toy is the only person he knows who is a criminal. <laughs> Kazuki. He's just. Kazuki is just so. So yeah, Kazuki tells him his plan to. Um, kidnap an idol to keep his brother from knowing the truth that Kazuki has been dressing up as the idol and pretending to be her um, for his little brother. By the way, Kazuki has been catfishing his little brother. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Toy goes along with it. And I think these these screenshots that we have here like kind of exemplify why we're Kazuki is saying things like, I need you to kidnap Azuma Sarah for me, or like, I need your help and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like that's a really important to Toy because in episode eight, Chikai comes and tells him that, like, just as you need me, I need you. And that seems to convince Toy um, in that episode. So I think he really just wants to be needed. Toy, he can't live for himself, but he can certainly live for other dumbasses that need his help. Thankfully, Kazuki is is there to be that dumbass. And is also super pretty. (laughs) Fellas, is it gay to blush at your male acquaintance while he sexily sips down some soba broth? While he's dressed as a girl? Is it gay? This isn't a joke. I'm so lost here. Please help me read it. Sign (laughs) Toykuji. It's so sad. (laughs) So then, for some reason, this makes Toy think of uh, another piece of life advice from his brother that the weak can't survive without someone to protect them and then he goes into a flashback and it takes place four years ago when his parents died let's talk about the Kuji parents 
believe it or not, they actually have names. <laughs> you only see them, like, barely, if you squint your eyes at one shot. This is the kind of deep lore that you can expect from us. Okay, so so the dad's name, it's either Minoru, which stands for vegetables or meat that you put in soup or broth. Or it could be Makoto, which stands for honesty or integrity. And then for the mother, her name could be either like Akira or Tsuyu for soup or broth. So <laughs> it's more likely Tsuyu because soba puns. Thanks, Ikuni. <laughs> Thank you for all the puns. Yeah. This family's entire life is just made up of puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's really incredible. And then another thing I wanted to mention with the Coochie parents is that you see that photo and you see like the colors that they're wearing. Then you look at Chikai's current design in his suit and he takes on the colors of both of his parents. That's so sad. That like ugly yellowish color that's <laughs> on his tie and then <laughs> the stripes on his suit. It makes you appreciate the fugly tie for like just a little bit. So yeah, the Coochie parents die. Um, basically what happens is Toy doesn't know this at the time, but eventually he learns that his parents had to take out loans um, and were in debt to uh, some people who essentially tricked them. That led to them dying. I think we, we are not entirely sure if anything says that they killed themselves or if they were killed because of their debt, but that happens. And then enter Chikai. Chikai enters the room, tosses some money at Toy's feet, and then immediately rummages the drawers, looking for shit to pawn off, so he can continue the process once again. And Toy is really upset by this and is telling him, you know, don't, <laughs> those are mom and dad's things. And he's saying, uh, well, they don't need them anymore. And, uh, you know, they were stupid for getting killed, etc. And Toy is really upset and saying, don't talk about them like that. Um, and Chikai says, acting all high and mighty, that's what gets idiots like him killed, um, because they, his, their father always told them to be good and honest. And Chikai is, is clearly not a fan of that. We mentioned that Toy had no idea uh, what their parents were dealing with at the time, but Chikai had to have known. Like, he, he was an adult at that point. He was able to recognize the mistakes that his parents were making, but he was powerless to stop them. So witnessing them making a grave mistake and having it ruin all their lives as a result of them trying to be good people. We have no idea, like, how or when these ideas were, like, brought into Chikai's mind, but that incident, it definitely solidified them in his mind that only the bad guys survive in this world. Yeah, all we have is some indication that Chikai was already getting into criminal things, hanging out with bad people um, prior to their parents dying. But uh, yeah, it just seems like he has totally lost any kind of goodness in him by the time that their parents are dead. So then... He keeps talking smack about their parents, and Toy is very upset by this. He says, I hate it when you talk about mom and dad like that. You should have died instead! Oh no. Oh no. Surely this won't foreshadow anything important. Or stick with Chikai through the rest of his life. <laughs> oh god. But then, 
Chikai's reaction to this is even worse. He makes everything so much worse because Toy says this and Chikai, it's actually different in the anime and in the novel. At least in the Japanese version of the novel, the English version, I think, changes it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Uh, so in the show and in the English version of the novel, Chikai, he grabs Toy by the face. But in the Japanese version of the novel, uh, Chikai punches Toy into the wall. Keep in mind that Toy is only 10 at this point. He's punching a baby! Chikai is a grown man. He is 21 years old. So awful! He's so horrible. Like, he just manages to make everything so much worse. What a horrible person. Yeah, but either way, after this, he tells Toy, don't make me bust your ass. And then bad guys are the ones who survive in this world. While Toy is just like, his eyes are just welling with tears and, oh god... Also, I resent those emojis in the author's notes. That's what happened. That's what happened. You fucker. Then the next flashback, uh, <laughs> Chikai gets a gun. Yeah, uh, so Chikai, Toy is, is seeing this uh, from his window. It's like in the alley right next to their house. Toy is seeing uh, Yuri Kamome, the leader of this gang that Chikai is involved in. Um, give him a gun and Chikai rejects it at first and then Yuri Kamome kind of pressures her him into taking it um, and so at first Toy in this flashback is like oh Nich- Nissan is a bad guy after all but like the way that Toy sees the scene is that Chikai is very hesitant to take this gun from Kamome so in a way maybe it could be, like, him trying to rationalize it. Yeah, I think later he tries to rationalize it. Or it's, like, a level of nuance that he didn't get when he was 10. Because he has no idea what's going on. He just knows Chikai is coming around and being a jerk and punching him and then going out and getting a gun. God. <laughs> now he has a gun! It's also worth noting that he doesn't take the gun out of the drawer. He just leaves it there in the room with the small child. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's how you treat guns. Just, like, don't even try to cover it up or anything. It's literally just in a drawer. No one has seen Eddie Eagle. Also, (laughs) completely unrelated, (laughs) but, like, there's also that scene in episode two where Enta's like, oh, God, what do I do with this gun? While he's, like, walking around town with Toy's box. And it's like, you can tell an adult... (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. But yeah, uh, so Chikai, he leaves the t- the gun in the desk, but on top of the desk, he leaves a 10,000 yen bill, which he used to throw at Toy's feet, but now he just leaves it on the desk. Like, he, he leaves it in the middle of the night while Toy leaves. Toy, he thinks Toy is sleeping. So that's putting more distance between them, because the last time he threw it at his feet, it ended so well! But then, does it does it look like he's smiling when he leaves? It certainly looks like it. But then again, I'm a crazy person, so I don't know. We're both crazy people, so, you know, that's how it looks to us. And then this episode um, actually gives us a really good view of the Kuji room, um, the room that they shared, and it is so depressing and sad, all the details that have been put into this room. It is so detailed. Like, all of those circles on the walls, those were all, like handwritten and then scanned in and also all of that writing and all of the writing on the desk uh it was confirmed that all of that was done by toy yeah that's so sad yeah someone asked him um yes asked ikuni 
in one of the staff events or whatever uh, who wrote the stuff like on the desk and everything. And, and Ikuni said that everything in the room was written by Toy. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that in Toy's dialogue, he refers to himself as Boku, but on the desk, he, he uses the word Ore, which kind of reminds me of Enta, because in his character song, he refers to himself with Boku. But in the show, and with everyone else, he refers to himself as Ore. And it's also written in katakana. Oh yeah, Toy, Toy writes lots of things in katakana. He writes on the desk in katakana, he writes his own name in katakana, he uses everyone's nicknames in his phone in katakana. He's so cute, I just find that cute. And uh, also on the wall that was like really easily overlooked uh, by many fans, including me, was that the, there's a jersey on the wall, it's a soccer jersey, and when I saw it, I just kind of thought, oh, it's probably Toys, Toy plays soccer. Um, but if you look closely at it, it is clearly much bigger than Toy, and also doesn't have his position number on it. It has the position 10 jersey. Yeah, so that jersey used to belong to Chikai. <laughs> and I feel like this this was only really like brought to awareness, really, when the... Uh, Natsuzan my book came out and had Chikai in that jersey playing soccer. He was so cute in that picture. It was really cute. Oh, he used to be a soccer player. We deserve to see more younger Chikai. I know, I want to see it. He looks cute. Also, uh, the number 10 on the jersey, like, also need to note that Kazuki's jersey number is also 10. So there's that. Oh, weird. How weird! <laughs> it's almost as if there's parallels there. No, I'm sure it's a coincidence. But the number 10 on a jersey, it's kind of a big deal in soccer. Like, I don't know much about it, but like, a lot of the most famous players had the number 10 on their jersey, and it's like, kind of a sign of prestige. Like, you are the ace of the team if you wear the 10 jersey. But also, in an interview with Nobuyuki Takeuchi, who directed this episode, like, he goes into into a little more detail about Chikai. I say a little more detail. This man knows, like, everything about Chikai. <laughs> he knows how this man, like, eats, sleeps, and shits. He's thought about Chikai more than we have. But yeah, he clarified that, like, he imagines Chikai being, like, a really bad team player <laughs> and not really being good at team sports. But somehow he bumbled his way into being the ace of the team. God. That's just how he lives his life. Yeah, he just ends up like the leader of a gang. Not through his own volition, but like, he just sort of bumbled his way into that position and now he has to deal with it. And then uh, Toy, back to kind of Toy's really upset because now that their parents are dead, they don't have the money to pay back the loans that they left behind. And so probably they're just going to have to leave the soba shop. And this kind of relates back to the planned obsolescence that we talked about before, where you might think that, oh, they'll just sell the shop. Maybe someone new will come in, take over, like start a new restaurant or whatever. But it's far more likely because of the way that property values in Japan work that the soba shop would just be demolished and replaced with a new building, um, just like the empty lot that's right next door. Which really sucks because... This is the only thing that their parents really left behind for them. Yeah, so you can see why Toy is, is so upset. He's like saying that he doesn't want to forget the taste of their soba or them. Um, and so 
he's clearly developing this fear of being forgotten. And this ties into the fate of the Kappa zombies, who um, it's later revealed that when they have their Shirikodama taken from them, they are essentially erased from existence because they couldn't connect, and so they were sent outside the circle. Toy's the only one of them when he finds out who is like really concerned about that. We'll get into it a little more in episode six, but this is like revealed as soon as episode three. Like it's not exactly clear what's going on, but you see the dude getting erased from the picture and no one remembers what happened. So it's like, oh, that is spooky. Yeah, so that's literally what's happening. People are getting sent out of the circle and are completely forgotten. It's fucked up. Yep, good stuff. Great stuff. So Toy's uh, connection to the soba shop, finally we get to episode three where we also see Enta struggling with um, not wanting to let go of a place that's important to him. Yes, it is the soccer spot where he and Kazuki used to play. So in this scene, Enta, he gets his shit kicked in by a couple of rival soccer boys because they were using his spot. Enta doesn't want them using his spot because that's his and Kazuki's spot. <laughs> even though Kazuki isn't playing soccer anymore, which they tell him, like, you're not even going to be able to play with him anymore. Why do you care about this spot? He left you. Enta immediately decides to throw down over that. But Enta sucks shit at fighting, so Toy has to come along and save him. And yeah, it just seems like they they both kind of understand. They're both um, projecting their desire to connect onto these places. And they they refuse to let these places go because that means that they won't have that connection anymore. You know, because Kazuki won't be playing soccer anymore and Toy's parents are dead. So once that's gone, it's really all over. Yeah, and Enta, he straight up says, if I give up on this place, I'll have to accept that it's over. And it's like, oh. And then Toy, you know, seems to relate. He's like, so you're like brothers, huh? 15 minutes later, (laughs) and then Enta's leak happens. (laughs) Oh, poor Toy. He's really trying. (laughs) He wants to connect. But these bitches be gay. (laughs) So yeah, with the last episode and this episode, the reason I wanted to do these ones together is because I think it's very interesting how Enta and Shikai are like sort of polar opposites on sentimentality, at least with the way they speak, because we all know that Jakai is a big fat fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, Enta is all about clinging on to these pieces of connection, clinging on to places, because he doesn't want to lose any any of this connection. Meanwhile, Chikai, his whole thing is throwing things away once it gets too difficult. Such a stupid bastard, man. He's so dumb. Also... In this episode, we find out that he has told Toy that kisses are the devil, <laughs> and that we just we, we should just leave that there. That's it is never explained or mentioned again. So that's where we are. It is the Miki stopwatch of Sada's on my. <laughs> we will never get an explanation. Also, I just want to mention in this episode that Toy is also a big fat liar because. He totally beat up those kids. In the novel, Toy's like, nah, I just talked to them a little and they ran away. But then, like, you see them all, like, battered and, like, running away in fear. And also, he took their ball. (laughs) It's so rude. (laughs) He's such a bully. He's a little bully. (laughs) But it's okay, because he did it for Enta. 
Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, getting back to episode four, uh, Kazuki and Toy are still talking about Kazuki's stupid plan, but then Kazuki's soba flies away, so that prompts them to go to the Kappa Square. And all of the soba in all of the lands is flying away to the Azuma Bridge, because that's how things work in this show. That's another thing we glossed over. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, it's no explanation needed. Don't worry about it. But yeah, no soba means no soba cue. So Toy is like, ah, oh, fuck, not this again. And so now they have to turn into Kappa and defeat the soba zombie. Yeah, the soba zombie. So this guy, uh, we're introduced to him. Uh, basically that he is a criminal who ran a soba shop and was caught um, siphoning a woman's bathwater out. Yep. So that's how we're introduced, and then it kind of goes into uh, this little this little zombie guy. <laughs> and so uh, the boys have to fight it, and it is revealed that... Well, the things one of the things that he says in this is, uh, Bathwater isn't enough, I want to be by her side. So that's a clear reference, I think, to the main theme of this episode. And... <laughs> And then it's kind of eventually revealed once they take Ishida Kodama that he was using the bathwater to put in his soba. Gamergirl bathwater isn't enough. While Toy is, is taking the guy Ishida Kodama, he says after, you know, finding this out, um, he's saying, if being by her side means forcing your desires onto her, then you've gone too far. So I wanted to like touch on like the boys sort of speeches to the zombies in each of the episodes because they all have one. And I've seen people, like, kind of call these speeches, like, hypocritical, but I don't really see it that way. I see each zombie corresponding to the boys more as, like, a representation of what they could what they could become if they chose to let desire take over their lives, rather than a clear one-to-one -one at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's definitely, like, a way to show the most extreme like most ridiculous version of what they're doing like it's taking the same premise and turning it into something that seems ridiculous to everyone objectively including the boys um so it's not necessarily hypocritical these guys are like you know really weird um but it's it's just kind of showing them and the audience what it could become surely this will not foreshadow future events at all definitely not <laughs> Surely this won't lead to pain and torture. No, I think it'll be fine. I think this will be a very happy show. Also something I forgot to like put in the slides, but uh, while Toy is grabbing the Shirikodama, he, oh, he says, I want to protect what Nissan protected. Oh, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like he, I think he, he doesn't seem to be like too concerned about the soba shop anymore. Like he actively wants to leave and be with his brother. But he still cares about it because Shikai did that for him and he feels like guilty about it. Once they take the Shirikodama, then the Sarazanmai begins. And we get to see Toy's secret leak to the other boys. And it starts off with Toy running around town. He's trying to look for Shikai because Shikai hasn't come home in a while. And this is after he saved the Soba shop and his family disowned him. Yeah, because Chikai, like, clearly came back with, like, a suitcase of money, so it was obviously illegally obtained. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Toy is trying to find him, and while 
he's looking, he actually overhears um, the the Yurikamome, the, the boss of the gang, talking about how Chikai stole the money from them and that they are on the lookout from him and to let just like shoot on sight. Because he has their gun. Uh, except, unfortunately, Chikai uh, is really stupid and the gun is actually still in the drawer. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting because you know that he came home because Toy notes that there is a 10,000 yen bill there that wasn't there before, but Toy opens the drawer and finds the gun in there. So, you know, I don't know if Chikai was just like, knew that he was going to get killed and like accepted fate or if he's just like actively stupid. He didn't think to bring this gun with him that would be his only means of self-defense against these people who he knows have guns. I'd like to think this man had a fucking death wish. (laughs) Yeah, it does make it really sad, especially because the next time you see him, he's still in this flashing, (laughs) this flashy purple jacket. It is like really obvious to anyone that he's part of this gang. So it's he's not trying to be subtle. Yeah, I like to think of this as uh, Chikai's way of trying to just basically bail on Toy forever, whether it means like dying or just running away. Like this is Toy is the one thing in his life that he cannot throw away, and that was like his one attempt at doing so. Yeah, and like I think he probably justified it to himself because remember Toy said, "I wish that you had died instead," and so. He does this thing for Toy to save the soba shop, which is what Toy wanted. Um, and then he's like, okay, I guess I'll just go die then. But then in the drawer, in the same drawer that the gun is in, Toy finds a little piece of paper with a date on the back. And he turns it over to see a family photo of them being smiling and happy and making soba. And Toy is a tiny little baby in the back. He's so tiny. <laughs> The scene that spawned a million fan arts. <laughs> and Chikai is also little and he looks happy. Yeah, he looks so he looks like a little ginky boy. <laughs> but behind those eyes <laughs> are a dark secret that uh in the interview we mentioned with Takeuchi, uh, this picture has so much symbolism in it, your mind will not be able to handle it. I can barely handle it. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Like, he talks about Chikai's eyes and his smile and the way his eyebrows are upturned and his dad's eyes are closed and his mom isn't, like, isn't, like, looking at him. And then (laughs) the way that the family is all separated from Chikai and it's it's all, it all has meaning. And the white border's boxing them in, but but Chikai's the only one going beyond them. They all look happy in this image, but through all of those like little subtle cues, there's something a little off. The intent behind this picture was to show that essentially the Kuji family story, the way that they, the parents don't see the path Chikai is going to go down. They don't see what he's going to become. And it's just very sad. Yeah. But also baby toy. Baby toy. Let's just focus on baby toy. It's almost like we could just like erase all the other faces and just have baby toy there yeah that would be that would be great (laughs) (laughs) and even the date on the back is a reference it's supposed to also speak to chikai in a way um because it's may 20th 2007 and that's actually the date of um well the picture references you know day of the festival they're making soba for the day of the festival um and the festival it's referring to is the sanja matsuri 
which is, uh, you see, actually see them in the festival later. In this year, in 2007, it's a notable year because the Yakuza have been known for going to this festival and kind of showing off, you know, they take off their shirts and show that they have tattoos and everything because this is kind of like their domain. Um, and in this year, they actually got onto the Mikoshi. Um, they all like got on top of it and it broke. And so after this year, the organizers had to like cancel the whole Mikoshi procession um, because of the Yakuza presence. So it kind of sets up that presence in Chikai's life at the point. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, it's a, it's, it's ominous, I guess. So after we see that, Toy takes the gun from the drawer and he goes looking for Chikai again. But the gang, they figure out that Toy is also looking for Chikai. So they hatch up a scheme to get Toy and bait Chikai out with him. So Toy has to run away from them now. But Toy goes through a tunnel and he ends up encountering Yuri Kamome himself. And Yuri Kamome approaches him. He's like, where do you think you're going, little boy? And then Toy reaches into his jacket. But before we see anything, Kazuki screams out, Look out! <laughs> Aww, the Nichan instincts. But then after that, we see Toy fire the gun, and he shoots Yuri Kamome straight in the chest. Or in the stomach in the novel. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unclear. Either way, Yuri Kamome goes down, and he's like immediately dead. With one bullet. And then... From behind, on the other side of the tunnel, you see Chikai, and he comes in. You cannot see his face at all. No. Oh, God. And, and then we get this scene, this tunnel scene, and it's so much. Like, we can't even, like, really describe it with words. You really have to, like, see it and hear it to believe it. Especially hear it, because the sound design in this scene is fucking incredible. Like, you'd think that this scene would be really dark and upsetting and in some ways it is but when chikai comes and he takes the gun very gently from toy's hands um and he shoots yurikamome twice he turns back to toy and says only the bad guys survive in this world as if that's something comforting to tell him yeah and then he yeah so he kneels down in front of toy tells him that he's the one who killed the guy and then they then they hug but before they hug so in the Ganga book, there are a couple frames. They do show up in the episode, but they're cut off. Chikai on Toy's level, looking at him straight in the eyes. And there's like an, a line between their eye lines to make sure they're meeting. And Chikai just has like the warmest smile on his face. It's, oh God, it's so heartbreaking, bro. <sighs> So bad. Oh my god. So yeah, then they then they hug. Shikai says that they're going to survive in this world as brothers. And thus begins the Ikuhara sibling curse. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, of this scene, it reminded me a lot of uh, another scene from Utena where Akio and Anthe are making a very similar version of that promise where Akio is saying, from now on, we'll live to help each other. And the scene is kind of uh, composed in the same way. You have a young Anthe um, being hugged by uh, Akio, but you can't see Akio's face. You only see like up to his shoulder um, and they're, they're hugging and Anthe, um, you can only see, you know, half of her face. 
and uh, just just reminded me a lot. And I think it's like definitely a reference to this because it's sort of, I think, trying to show us the beginning of their really unhealthy relationship. This is supposed to sort of give us some insight into how they've become so messed up, essentially. Yeah, they. it's the beginning of a spiral, but thankfully it doesn't spiral as badly as Akio and Anthony. <laughs> no, no. Chikai dies before that happens, don't worry. <laughs> Spoilers, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> We've been referencing his death this entire time, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just, this is such a fond memory for the both of them. Um, but especially for Toy, he thinks of this, and he, he remembers the feeling of Chikai's hands, um, and he remembers, like, that this is the first time Chikai has held him like this. Oh, it's just so sad. Yeah, and that's a lot of the reason he keeps the gun with him, is that while it does remember him of the fact that he killed someone with it, he also remembers Chikai holding him in that moment. And reassuring him and taking the fall for him. And oh my god. It was it was a moment of their connection. Like their their relationship had been really fraught before this. I mean, you can see Chikai like hits him, or at least in the novel. <laughs> or like is still somewhat violent with him. But this is when they actually connect. But from this moment onward, it's just head pads. <laughs> I hate it. Give him the fucking head pads, Aniki. <laughs> so yeah... Kazuki and Enta got to see that heartbreaking moment, as did the entire audience. And Enta is clearly freaked the fuck out, but Toy is very blasé about the whole thing. And as is Kazuki, who's just casually chewing on a cucumber. Yeah, no, he's he's already thinking about Haruka. He doesn't care. But yeah, then Toy, he goes on about, like, making his decision to live for chikai's sake and he doesn't care what anyone has to say about it and the way that toy describes wanting to be with chikai is wanting to stand by his side which is like a wanting to be seen as an equal rather than someone to protect because toy has a whole lot of guilt over chikai having to pretend to kill someone for him and he doesn't think he deserves to be protected even though he does, he really does. He is a tiny little child boy. But yeah, I think that guilt, it has sort of made him decide that he has no worth except to live for Chikai. Like, he, that's all That's all is in his mind. Like, that's the only reason he has to live is because he doesn't want to leave Chikai alone. Yeah, and it's also the reason why Toy agrees to help Kazuki. Is because like his worth is in like assisting other dumbasses oh. Oh. <laughs> from one Nichan to another. <laughs> the fact that we n- that we never got to see Kazuki had pet toy. <laughs> one day, I believe it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Give him the head pets, Kazuki. Yes. So yeah, like Toy also wants to protect Chikai, and in Chikai's worldview. It's the weak people who have to be protected. The weak people are good people, and therefore Toy has to be bad in order for Chikai to not see him as weak. wonder where he got that idea from. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who put that thought in his head. <laughs> it's almost like Chikai's words have consequences. Yeah, it's almost like your impressionable little brother is going to take everything you say at your word. 
No, that can't happen. Oh, God. They're so sad. This whole episode is very tragic. And it's like really when the series starts to get darker. I wonder how many people get to this point, though. I wonder how many people stop at episode three before they're like, okay, this is all I need to see. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that it's it's set up is like the first two times you see Kazuki's secrets. And so you're kind of prompted to ask, like, are we going to see just Kazuki's secrets or other people's? And then, and then Enta's is still like kind of ridiculous in the way that episode two was. And then suddenly you have this episode. Yeah, and then suddenly it opens up with someone getting shot. <laughs> oh, God. I love this episode. It's so good. It's it's just amazing. And, like, it's all from Toy's point of view. Yeah, what a coincidence that this is one of the two episodes where Chikai is the most attractive. <laughs> so says you. Thanks, Takeuchi. Thanks, Ikuhara. They really worked hard on it. And so... <laughs> then I think we just go into this week in the Kuji fandom. We have no transition for this. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is much less depressing because Chikai gets a birthday event and they released a bigger picture of it. <laughs> and we're getting more merch for Kazuki and Enta in their little soccer uniforms. It's so adorable. And in my infinite stupidity, it made me realize, oh yeah, Kazuki's pose. <laughs> It deliberately shows off the tone on his back. <laughs> it's like Lionel Kappa's pose on on the little magazine. I hadn't noticed that before. I'm an idiot. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's like a cute baby toy. But then the, then Enta and Kazuki are like 14. So it's kind of a weird combination, but it's fine. They get to come to Chikai's birthday party. Just imagine like a birthday party for Chikai. It's a slice of craft cheese on a paper plate. With a candle stuck in it. And Toy's like the only one who's excited. He probably threw the party. <laughs> <laughs> and Enta, Enta doesn't want to be there because he hates Shikai. And Kazuki <laughs> doesn't know who this is. <laughs> and they, but they aren't allowed to meet. Like Kaz Kazuki and Shikai aren't allowed to talk to each other because the world would implode. They aren't allowed to meet because they're the same character. <laughs> Have you ever seen Kazuki and Shikai in the same room? No. <laughs> The Seiyu events suddenly don't count. No, they don't. <laughs> no, except for when Even Yusuke. though they counted in the last episode. <laughs> in other good news, uh, the Sarazanmai manga is going to be released as a, in Tankoban form, right? Yep. I pre-ordered mine months ago. Um, and I guess they're, depending on where you shop for it, it's going to have like different illustrations. Each place has a little extra campaign illustration for it which is is exciting i want to wait to see or like if they're going to be different or if they're going to be the same yeah because i know for the the stage play they had a similar campaign where depending on where you ordered you would get a different bromide and like one was the trio one was rayo mabu and one was kuji bros because that's the all all sides of the fandom <laughs> the three pillars of the fandom <laughs> so i want to see if i can get a kuji bros one if they have that we don't know it's probably like the most out of stock. <laughs> given given the Kuji fandom, it's probably out of stock. The Kuji fandom is so wild. They are fucking insane. <laughs> Speaking of things being sold out. That leads us into our new segment, which I don't know what else to call this. So it's just part of this week in the Kuji fandom. But I would like to recommend some artists in the community. So this week I would like to highlight uh, at Zanmai Show. 
at ZNMI underscore show because their art is absolutely adorable. And especially after this episode, <laughs> seeing Happy Babby Toy is just such a breath of fresh air. It's so cute. They do the cutest baby toys. I love it. And they do little Chikai too. And it's just so cute. It's so adorable. But they had one uh, piece of doujinshi available, but it sold out like almost immediately. Like everything in the Kuji fandom does. Every single book that comes out is sold out in like half an hour. <laughs> it's insanity. It's a miracle I was able to get this thing. It looks so cute. I can't wait to get it. <laughs> it is absolutely adorable. I have it with me right now. How would you rate the baby toys out of 10? Oh, a million out of 10. <laughs> They're absolutely like top tier baby toy. Wonderful. Yeah, this person does like the best baby toys. They're they're very well known for just cute little toys. Yeah, and uh like part of the <laughs> part of the doujin, it's basically like well, we got kicked out of the shop. Now what are we gonna do? And they're very, like, carefree about it. Like, there's this little panel where they're, like, singing, like, We're flat broke! <laughs> That's so cute. That's what I want. I want them being stupid and also broke. And happy. I just flipped to the page where Chikai's like, Hmm, I wonder if I should sell my body. And then Toy's like, But if you sell your body, won't you be just ahead? <laughs> I hate Chikai so much. And then Chikai's like, yep. <laughs> God, looks cute. So yeah, if you need something to cheer you up, uh, even though the thing is, uh, the doujin is sold out, um, a lot of these are comics that they still have on their poipiku. So you can go look at them there. Along with their other art. And it's just as adorable. Oh my God. Oh my God.